Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. I'm Ryan LaVoy, joined by Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry today. I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson as he will be on the call of Auburn softball tonight. A big three-game set against the Georgia Bulldogs inside of Jane B. Moore Field. That game will start at 6 o'clock, 5.45 airtime, so we will also be getting off the air a little bit early today, 515 to be exact, but a lot to do today. We'll have birthdays and sports as we always do. Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. We will have a little game today in the 4 o'clock hour. Sports calls more likely. We'll present some scenarios both about Auburn and about some things in the sports world, and the guys will tell you which is more likely to occur. And so that will be at 4.15 today. And uh, going to be a fun Friday show. Big baseball and softball series for the Tigers. Just mentioned the Auburn softball series, Auburn baseball, playing the number one team in the country in Knoxville this weekend. The Tennessee Volunteers, who have only lost one game in the Southeastern Conference, 17-1. And so that will be a big series, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here on this Friday afternoon. Guys, hope you are doing well today. Yeah, it is a wonderful, wonderful Friday afternoon. Can't wait to get the weekend started. Can't wait for a beautiful weekend, hopefully. Uh, the rain stays away for the most part this weekend. Um, it's going to be a big series. Uh, we said it yesterday on the, on the program when we were talking about our monthly predictions. Uh, me and I think Bill need Auburn to win the first two against Georgia to get the uh, how many SEC wins uh, the Auburn softball team will have. Uh, by the end of month, month of April. So we need Auburn to win the first two games of this Georgia series to make our prediction correct. So uh, obviously rooting for Auburn in every series that they play, but especially uh, some rooting interest this weekend. With that, uh, Auburn baseball, as you said, a big series this weekend. The Braves, big series out in Texas this weekend. They take on the Texas Rangers. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. had a mildly successful return last night. Got a hit in his, in his return. He's not in the lineup this afternoon. Has already given him a day off to make sure not to overwork him and um, yeah, should be a really, really fun weekend. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers and uh, get this thing going. Yeah, I'm doing good, too. Uh, like Brooks said, a loaded weekend here this weekend. Uh, you got Auburn baseball up in Tennessee. You've got uh, Auburn softball hosting Georgia. Those are the, the big two locally. Uh, and the Braves playing out against the Rangers and, you know, Ronald Acuna coming back and that was such an awesome moment last night. I think he got two stolen bases in that game as well, so that was really cool to see. Uh, he's he's running. He's running full speed. He's not just out there swinging the bat and being conservative. He he looks back to his, his old self again, and, and I understand it's only one game, but that's that's still a great thing to see. And you have um, – and also the NFL draft last night. Uh, some, some interesting decisions made early, we'll say. Um but uh, we we've been saying all along how this is a this is just a weird draft. 
this is just a weird draft class and i'm sure we'll talk about that as the show goes on and uh you know just having a good day happy to be here yeah, we absolutely will get to some of uh, the 2023 NFL draft. No Auburn guys last night. Roger McCreary was the only one that had a had a chance to be drafted in the first round, but he will be getting his name called, I'm sure, in the second round. And uh, only one quarterback taken, and again, I won't get too much into it right now, but we will talk about the NFL draft and definitely a little different than what we've seen in previous years with the only one quarterback taken, so we'll get into that in a little bit as well and and brooks you mentioned the return of ronald Cooney jr something i was reading the other day was ronnie was saying that he feels like he's faster than he was that he's really strengthened those legs uh and, and worked hard on them as of course he's recovering from that acl injury and uh that he did steal some bases in triple a gwinnett already which i found interesting because i didn't know if they want to push him all the way in his first rehab assignments uh but i mean he was trying to get ready to play and, and he's trying to show the organization that he was ready and so he was stealing bases and you know that's something in major league baseball that uh has started to be on the decline the last decade or so is the value of the stolen base and guys not running as much because heck some of the best guys in the league are the guys that are fast as well and teams kind of put this emphasis that they don't want someone to get injured diving into second base or sliding or that sort of thing and so some of the game star players have not run as much in recent years as well and ronald definitely fits in that category of guys that one of the best players in the game capable of 40 45 home runs but also capable of 40 stolen bases and i'll be really interested to see coming off of a leg injury knowing the way the game is played now uh, what kind of uh, stolen base acumen Acuna has this year and how many attempts he's allowed to have because uh, that's an important part of his game. I mean, that's why he's five-tool. One of the tools is being able to run, and, and he certainly exhibits that. So uh, the Braves did win last night, and uh, they they do get a series victory, their first series victory of the year, fellas. And I know the emphasis was on the NFL draft, but we obviously care the Atlanta Braves on 1230 WAUD. And uh, the Braves finally getting a series victory. They get Acuna back. And, and this now, I know we're 20 games in. I know it's still incredibly early, but this now with Acuna part of the team i understand rosario's out but injuries are going to happen your best player is now back this is now the the true judge judgment process of the braves here going forward absolutely it feels like the team kind of has its swagger back a little bit and again it's been one game so we're not we're not going to go off the deep end here but the face of your franchise is now back in the clubhouse he is now healthy he is now dressed out for you again he's going to be with you in texas so even if he's not starting tonight, I'm sure he will start at least the the two other games of the series. So, uh, you know, having Ronald Acuna back is not just a shot in the arm for him, but the entire lineup now gets better because you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top of it, and you've got now the bottom of the order has to be pitched to. You can't pitch around to get to, and obviously you usually don't pitch around the bottom to get back to the top, but it, it just puts more emphasis on what this Braves lineup is trying to do. They are this lineup is bit, built to hit home runs. Th- that is what the Braves want to do. They want to get people on base and they want to drive everybody home with one swing of the bat. Uh, and they want to score in bunches. And now that you have maybe the best guy in baseball who could do that back in your lineup, it's it just feels good. It feels good as a Braves fan. I think what you're seeing is a combination of 
Uh, I mean, and like you said, Brant's only one game and one series uh, for the Braves with this Cubs series. I think you're starting to see the Braves now get into where they would be on opening day this year. As I've, I've talked about this, and people have talked about this on the show, and you know, you've heard it all across Major League Baseball. It was going to take a few series to get into that groove of the the regular season, especially with missing some of the spring starts uh, for everybody, especially the starting pitchers going forward. I think you're starting to get into that point where this is you're starting to see where the Braves would have been to start the year. And yeah, they were playing the Cubs. Get a series win against the Cubs. They're not the best team in the in Major League Baseball. And the Rangers aren't the best team in Major League Baseball as you're going out there and facing the Rangers this, week, this weekend. But this is a series coming up that the Braves can, one, you won the series against Chicago, stepping stone. And then two, you've got to k- take that momentum, go into this weekend and get another series win against this Texas Rangers team because Monday night... You're going up to City Field, and you get to take on the New York Mets for four games this week, and that's going to be rough because you get four of their five starting pitchers, which means probably you're going to get to see Max Scherzer at some point. That- yeah, get to feels uh, <laughs> like not the right term for the Atlanta perspective. But you're right, Brooks. Also, I was talking about this uh, earlier this week, and I know it's so early in the season that you can't really project all the teams that are truly going to be good, truly going to be bad. Last year, you would have gone in the season saying, San Francisco Giants are not going to be an elite team. They're not going to be a team to really contend for a great postseason berth. They won 100 games. They beat the Dodgers in the division. They won that division. So you never can really know just 20 games into the season. But the Braves are already kind of lamenting the fact that they're still 66% responsible for the Cincinnati Reds Reds win total. And the Reds are just flat out (laughs) not going to be good this year. Well, this Texas Rangers team that you're going to play this weekend – that's another team. Yes, they made some offseason acquisitions. They acquired or they signed Corey Seager from the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was a big money deal. They got Marcus Simeon, who, if you don't know, was a 40 home run guy with the Toronto Blue Jays last year. He's a powerful hitting middle infielder. Those are two really good guys they got. The Rangers are trying to be better this year. However, they're off to an inauspicious beginning to their season. And ultimately, they were a bad team last year. They were one of the worst in the American League and in Major League Baseball. So, they had a, a big hill to climb, and it's very possible that they are a below 500 team this season. And I, I again, I, I want to stress again, you're having to put on a crystal ball. But if the difference is a couple of games by the end of the season between the Braves and the Mets or whoever, the fact of the matter is, if the Rangers go 68 and 94 or whatever, and you lose this series early on, you're going to lament that fact later on in the season. So this is still the type of team You'd like, as you said, you just beat a Cubs team. Probably same boat. Probably not a playoff team this year. Would feel pretty good about themselves if they went just over 500. You took care of business in that series. You'd love to take care of business against the Rangers. And look, we're 20 games in. We have, what, 142 to play, 141 to play, whatever it might be. Uh, But they all count the same. They all count evenly. And it's the same kind of process of, you know, if a ref misses a a call with five minutes left in a game, well, you know, you'd love in the first half of the game to put yourself in a better position for it not to have mattered. It's that kind of same philosophy here where you're going to have a division race you would think with the Mets this season, and you never know which series is the turning point series. And, yes, there will be very important baseball played against the Mets this year, but also you don't want to be looking back in April at, man, these 60-win teams that they just didn't beat and they just couldn't get out of the gate. So you never know. Uh, and this is all part of the 162-game 
equation. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show today. On the other side, birthdays in sports as you listen to the Friday edition of Sports Call. The biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports. Sports talk show, Sports Call. Continuing on with the Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, who's definitely enjoying Thunderstruck right now. Rocking. Brant Daughtry as well on the show today. Not uh, not as into this song like I am, but not, enjoying Brooks' performance of absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoy most things Classic rock. Does. I'll tell you what. Inside, want to take you inside baseball? Sure. Every single, almost every single Friday when I'm driving to work, I listen to classic rock on my way in. And I don't know why it's a Friday thing, but every Friday I'm driving into work, I'm a big classic rock guy. And I just, I, I don't, I don't listen That's to it. That's your version of a fun Friday? I don't listen to it as much the rest of the week, but when I'm driving into work on Fridays, I've got the classic rock on and we're just going. And ACDC is quite often on that playlist. How do you feel about REM? I feel fine. Okay. We play a lot of REM on the Tiger. That's why I wanted to just get your thoughts on that. I like REM. Is that is that is that really classic rock though? I guess is that is that too no. too recent since that's more nineties. I would say they're classic at this point. Yeah, I guess everything becomes classic over time. Right, they give exactly. it another decade, then they will be. I think it's. I think with cars, it's like fifteen years. It's a classic. Twenty five years, it's an antique. Did you? Uh, I think that's the official definition. My cars get classic in a little bit. Then did you? Uh, did you get my? <laughs> Only about four more, three more years. Did you get years? what I what I did there? I might have missed it. You said you're so classic. You said, "Do you like REM?" I said, "I feel fine." Oh, that is an REM song, and I feel fine. It's yep. the end of the yeah. world as we know it. Here, yeah, we've got some singing. In it. But I, I hope JJ is jealous right now. We always get so mad when he sings, and uh, everybody turns off the radio dial and that sort of thing. Wow, and uh, here we are, we're singing on the. We're Friday not guaranteeing that people didn't turn off the radio dial just now. That is. That is true. That is unfortunately very true. All right. Uh, each and every day <laughs> we do this. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today on April the 29th. This is the last show for the month of April. Gone too soon. And we have a... April is dead, I guess. Yep. Um, but well, you know uh, what they say. 
I don't know. Nope, sure don't. No, yep, don't know. April showers bring May flowers. Uh, okay. so. I, there was no telling what was going to be said. There has not been like a super substantial amount of rain this month. Anyway. Yeah, I can concur. I can agree with that. Although there is a chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms this weekend. I hope not. As you'll hear on the weather update. That, that I may or may not do. Ooh. Anyway, uh, to the birthdays in sports. Good list today. Jay Cutler turns 39, former NFL quarterback, selected 11th overall in the 2006 NFL Draft by the Denver Broncos out of Vanderbilt. Go Commodores, anchor down. Also played for the Chicago Bears and Miami Dolphins before retiring in 2018. 2008 Pro Bowler, member of 100 Greatest Bears of All Time, which... That's that, weird. That's Who a voted on list? that? That's a that's weird because like the Bears have a lot of like really good history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, picnic and baskets. also Jay Cutler, picnic <laughs> baskets and. I, you know, I will say this races. though. I think he was underrated, but like, is still, is he the best Bears quarterback of the last decade and a half, two decades though? He probably I is. He may be. I mean, who who are my other Kyle Orton? Here? Orton? Yeah. Rex Kyle. Grossman? Yeah. Mm. Who was the quarterback when they got oh, to the was Super Bowl? Nice. Was it Cutler or was it Grossman when they got to the Super Grossman. Bowl? It was Grossman, but he they did not yeah. get Super Bowl because of, of him. Yeah. They True. still had a great defense, so I don't know. He could be. Anyway, he's also 2005 SEC Offensive Player of the Year, 2005 First Team All-SEC, and member of the Indiana Football Hall of Fame. Yes, he's from Indiana because Vanderbilt's not in Indiana. Anyway, Jay Cutler, who we've also affectionately noted as a nickname of Admiral Sadness, turns 39 today. Imagine playing at Vanderbilt and being the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. That's and impressive. He had to work it, with. That oh, is really yeah. impressive. Imagine the other offenses in the conference knowing a Vanderbilt guy beats you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's also a good point. Anyway, Jay Cutler, happy birthday, turns 39 today. Andre Agassi turns 52. Former professional tennis player, career record of 870 and 274 with 60 titles. Achieved the world ranking number one in 1995 and 1999. First man to win all four singles majors on three different surfaces. Those surfaces being hard clay and grass, of course. And remains the most recent American to win the French Open in 1999 and the Australian Open, which was in 2003. Second of five men to achieve the career Grand Slam in the Open Era. One of two men to achieve the career Golden Golden Slam, career Grand Slam and Olympic gold medal. And was the only man to win a career Super Slam, which is a career Grand Slam, plus the Olympic gold medal, and the year-end championships. That's a lot of tennis accolades for Andre Agassi, who turns 52. So what we're today. saying, what we're saying is he was good at tennis. He's an all-time great. Yeah, good. Would, would you? Be would you all like to know my opinion on tennis? Oh, oh no. <laughs> Very similar to that of golf. Oh, I'm doing a sports call super, more likely with super, you in the 4 o'clock hour about sporting events. I'm totally fine that. with that. Totally fine with that. Let's create some content. French, <laughs> o- French Open's coming up here in the next month, isn't it? Uh, yeah, first mate. Yep, it is. And then, uh, you know, as Brant just mentioned, he loves tennis. He also <laughs> loves golf. And Justin Thomas turns 28 today. American professional golfer achieved world number one in 2018. Held that ranking for five weeks. 14 wins on the PGA Tour. Won 2017 PGA Championship and FedEx Cup. 2017 and 2020 PGA Player of the Year was the 2017 PGA Tour Player of the Year. It's not listed in here because of where he went to school, and I doubt Brooks is going to say it, but he did go to the University of Alabama. Justin Thomas turns 28 today. That's a real shame. And Ron Washington turns 70. Wash, former MLB shortstop and manager, current third base coach for the Atlanta Bravos, 
Play for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Minnesota Twins, Baltimore Orioles, Cleveland Indians, and Houston Astros. Manager for the Texas Rangers and was oh so close to a World Series. He managed them from 07 to 2014, went to the World Series in 2010 and 2011, but was a 2021 World Series third base coach champion for the Atlanta Braves. Got his ring. Ron Washington turns 70 today. King. And Brooks, I told you during break I'd do one more. Rest in peace, but also would have been 71 today, Dale Earnhardt. For another, the trifecta of the sports, Brent. Not a huge fan of threes. Threes the, up. You, you, both, right you both put your hands up with a three, so I'm like, I'm going to do it too. Threes up. Dale Earnhardt would have been 71 today. Mm-hmm. Those are the birthdays in sports. We hope if you have a birthday out there today that you are having a very happy birthday. And Mal, my next question is, how long will Brooks hold the three up? Because he's still <laughs> holding up. Is it the Threes remainder up. of the segment? It may should be I make the remainder the, of the segment. Should I make this a really long segment? I and, would think so. And test you? I, may, I am curious as to what the muscular endurance of your shoulder is. I will say the left, the, the left shoulder, too. Not even yeah, the dominant yeah that's true. The, the non-dominant shoulder. Yeah. I'll forgive you if you put it down because I'm going to have another topic before I go to break. All right. So, uh, I wanted to get this in for a few minutes and talk about this because this is something that um, people were fearful of, that this would be a unintended consequence to NIL. And granted, we spent a lot of time on this show talking NIL for the football sake, but NIL exists for every sport. And... It exists certainly as a big mechanism in college basketball as well. And you may have seen this story. This story is, it needs to be talked about. It does not involve an Auburn player, but it involves a a college basketball program that unfortunately beat Auburn in the NCAA tournament this season and made it all the way to the Elite Eight, the Miami Hurricanes. Their guard, Isaiah Wong, is threatening to go into the transfer portal today if he does not get a significant uptick in his NIL money. So basically he gave a 24-hour ultimatum because this ultimatum was given yesterday that his agent said that they will be transferring if he cannot get a good sum of NIL money. And I want to talk about this because I think this is exhibiting that uh, not everybody knows the difference. And look, there's a lot of confusing aspects to NIL. But this is kind of a clear evidence of not understanding what exactly NIL is. The schools are not the ones paying the players directly. It is not pay for play, as Nicole Auerbach noted on Twitter. It is not pay for play. NIL is being endor- getting endorsements from companies, not the university, but companies to be ambassadors for their products. Bo Nix on the night that it was allowed became an ambassador representing Milo's. It was Milo's Sweet Tea, and we had the old discussion about Alabama fans pouring out their Milo's Sweet Tea, all for an Alabama player to also become sponsored by Milo's just days later. Yes. Um, So it is about products. It's about endorsements. It's just about the same thing that professional athletes, when they're a big Gatorade guy or, or body armor, or if they are in a McDonald's commercial or whatever, it's the same premise as that. It is not the base salary that you were to receive if you were an NFL player getting it from, say, the Atlanta Falcons. You are getting it from your endorsement deals. And it's the same thing here. NIL is simply the ability to profit off of you having sponsorships with companies of your own merchandise and that sort of thing. It is not 
Auburn University or the University of Alabama, or in this case, the University of Miami, paying you to play basketball, football, baseball, gymnastics, whatever, for your given sport, NIL is the sponsorship revenue that you garner from your other opportunities. And so I don't know what I Wong's kind of play here is because I don't know if he understands I like you're basic like basically what he's saying is all right, city of Miami, give me more money off yeah. your sponsorships. He's doing his best to hold the school hostage and the school doesn't have any money to give him. Right. Or, the, or the not school, allowed to at least. Right. They, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They they have given him a scholarship. That is all the University of Miami has to give him. Uh it's it's interesting because I, I have listened to a couple of podcasts um, about NIL since since this whole thing started. Yeah, Brooks is resting his elbow against the wall now. He's, he's hanging in there, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, he's um, hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. There, There's – I'm going to cite the Auburn Observer for the thousandth time on this show. But Justin Ferguson had Matt Brown, uh, who is a writer for The Athletic, I believe. Uh, he was on his show uh, earlier this week. And he kind of broke NIL down into – there's – two types of NIL deals. You have the massive big companies paying specific athletes. Um, it, one that Auburn fans might be familiar with, Ecu Leota is now appearing in Under Armour ads because Auburn is an Under Armour school. Under Armour, a massive company that represents a lot of different athletics programs, has Ecu Leota doing commercials for them now. That's the big one. And that's the one that this was kind of designed to do. What has happened is there have been... oh. Oh, it's low. The elbow is beneath the shoulder. It's still up, but the elbow is beneath the shoulder. <laughs> what has happened, though, is that each university, and I won't say the university has done this, but uh, wealthy alums or people in the area who are wealthy and are interested in having some kind of power within the university, or even people who are just legitimately interested in these kids making money, um, there is some legitimate altruistic intent here but not always you have these people forming these kind of trusts that that and i mean nil auburn is one of them auburn has one um but there's one at at just about every major school now and these are the more local things these are the ones that if you come here we'll pay you and that's this is not what nil is supposed to be i am a big defender of nil i have made that very well known go get your money young man you deserve it if someone's going to put your face and your name in a video game and give you statistics and you know, that's coming uh, or, or if they want to pay you to make an Instagram post holding up a jar of sweet tea like they did with Bo Nix uh, or Alan Flanagan has a deal with Guthrie's all that I am so on board with that a player shouldn't be able to hold a school hostage because again the school can't do anything the University of Miami can want this kid as bad as they as, as bad as possible but the fact is there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes on in Miami outside of the world of athletics that school has a lot of has a lot of people, but the city of Miami is not going to pay attention fully because there's so much else there. And I I don't know what he wants. I don't know what he. I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't know if he fully understands what he's getting into here. And that is another thing. Auburn has really gotten out ahead of this. They have a class that is specifically for athletes that they can take that explains what NIL is, what it can do for them, what the limitations are. And I I think this kid doesn't understand that. 
This is what, and, and I, a lot of our callers have talked about this um, and brought this up as a, a negative uh, that could happen. Well, we, we always acknowledge that it, it could happen, and it finally has happened in college sports where um, someone is trying to use their name, image, and likeness to get more money out of their NIL deal. I, you can't, you know, it, it, you, you can ask for more NIL money. You can up your rates. But it's, you know, you, you what he is doing, and I'm with Brand. I, I think NIL, on a base level, NIL is a, is, it can be a good thing because if you, if a school is going to make X amount of dollars selling tickets to a game to go watch you play, you should be able to say, absolutely, people want to watch me, so I'm going to sell my own merch or, and, you know, garner endorsements like Eku Leota from Under Armour. Uh, Bo Nix from um, uh, Milo's Sweet Tea. What was the other one that he did? He did Bojangles, I Bojangles, believe. Bojangles, that's I right. I think he and Tank both did Bojangles. Walker Kessler cool. with Dunkaroos. I never thought that about, was awesome. I never thought about buying Dunkaroos until I saw Walker Kessler get them, and then I was walking in the store. I'm like, you know what? Let me grab a thing of Dunkaroos. They're okay. Um, beside the point. Though. Beside the point. Um, <laughs> the but green. The, the fact that he is basically and i like the analogy of holding the school hostage because it's you're holding the school hostage and you're saying i'm gonna leave so boosters you do something about it or i'm leaving the other side of that is with him you know looking i don't know if he think what what school after seeing this is going to then go out and recruit him if he says i'm in the transfer portal unless you were just desperate and you need someone what school is going to say Hey, let's go get this guy that could leave at any moment if he doesn't get the the money that he wants from. If Auburn. Guthrie's doesn't pay him, yeah. Off. If it like yeah, like if Auburn were to say we kind of need him, but hey, if Guthrie's or if you know the the gas stations down the street or if TK's the um the uh Fusaclis Fusaclis or Dunkaroos does not give him this much money, he's gonna then up and leave again. Right. Well, you know. It would come down to at that point. I mean, if he's going to put his name in the portal, then his options are going to be to, you know, kind of put the tail between the knees and come back to Miami when you don't get the interest you want to get. Or if if people are not giving him that robust money promise of the, of the NIL, then he just have to take whatever the best available offer is. Like you know, if no one puts your name in initially, and then he's just still kind of sitting there, well, then eventually someone's going to say, well, we. We can give you this, or we can hook you up with this, because that—that's what these programs have done. Is that these NIL uh, programs, NIL Auburn, and all that? That—that's just simply the connecting the relationships to make the money. It's again, it's just Auburn using their vast resources to get you connected to those businesses. It's not again, again, it's not Auburn using NIL Auburn to just say, "All right, here's the money coming from Auburn to you." It's no, it's still the relationships there connecting two businesses so i just wanted to touch on that because as you alluded to brooks you know that is something our callers bring up that is a real concern with nil is you don't want these kids to you know all of a sudden just be kind of demanding more pay or they're out and that sort of thing uh that would be kind of disappointing and kind of the first really high level instance of that happening there at miami with isaiah wong and their miami basketball team we're going to take our next commercial break so brooks can put his hand down and get some rest as he kept the threes up all segment long on the other side of this break more sports call as you listen to the friday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 
us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of hour number one of Sports Call today on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon, filling in for J.J. Jackson as he does Auburn softball tonight right here on Tiger 95.9. So we have a shortened show. We'll be getting off the air at 5.15. And again, in the second hour of the program, coming up at about 4.15 or so, we're going to have a sports call more likely to happen. A little game there and, and present some Auburn items, some other items in the world of sports, and tell you which is more likely to happen. In the world of sports last night, the NFL draft taking place in Las Vegas. Uh, sidebar before we talk about the picks themselves. Guys, good thing or bad thing? If you're if you're a draft pick to have it in Las Vegas, and before you say, of course it's a good thing, yes, you can party, but is there a chance you party too hard and screw things up because it is Las Vegas? So is it a little too tempting and a little too good that the draft is in Las Vegas for these kids? And also, you know, another factor is if you're in Las Vegas for the draft, you're probably going to be a high draft pick, yes. which means your family's there too. Yes. So it's not <laughs> like you can just roll out of the hotel room and be like, hey, Ma, I'll be back at 3 a.m. See ya. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I think the most dangerous possibility is you think you're a first rounder so you go out and you have fun on the night of the draft and then you come back in and you you've gambled away enough money to go I'm a first rounder I'll be able to replace it and then your name doesn't get called that's a nightmare scenario cuz you like even if you even if you go in the second round there's still a lot of money but <laughs> just just that one night that one night where you didn't hear your name called and you're just like, I just lost a ton of money. Yeah. Weren't they supposed to, wasn't the draft in Las Vegas supposed to be like on a floating stage in the middle of like that, the, the, uh, fountain there? I thought you know, that was like the plan you know, I know, years ago. Yeah, I, I do recall you saying that, or not you say, yeah, yeah, yeah Brooks, you announced the NFL, yeah. that's what we were going to do. Um, I am the commissioner. I, I do remember that. If only. But it definitely was not that last night, was it? No. Because, I mean, we saw hordes of people lined up watching Goodell on stage, which would not have been possible uh, if you're out on an island. So, I, yeah, you know, I do recall that. Maybe that was pandemic-related. Maybe they just said if, there were, if we're going to have to have the draft, we'll kind of separate them by having them on the island. I, I But I know exactly what you're talking about. Along the lines, though, partying in Vegas – I hope everybody saw the video, and this has to do with Brooks Childress's team, and he did see this, and I hope you saw this, Brent, of Sean McVay 
like making a huge joke about the Patriots' first round selection. They took a guard out of Chattanooga. Uh, and w- by the way, fun fact more FCS players taken last night, in particular more out of SOCON than Big 12 players last night. But that's just that's beside the point. But uh, with the, was it 29th, 29th pick in the NFL draft, Cole Strange, a offensive guard out of UT Chattanooga, gets selected. And the Rams, who, by the way, did not have a pick. I don't know why they're having a press conference of any kind. <laughs> yes, we did not trade into the draft. As you could tell, we traded all of our picks for Stafford. We win. I, we know. Yeah, and they, we don't have and they got a Super Bowl out of it, so what? But, uh, but head coach Sean McVay was in a press conference last night, and they were surprised. They, I think it was live as it was happening. Cole Strange got picked. And the GM said something, and then Sean McVay said, Wow. Yeah, we had Cole Strange like 104 on our draft board. So I get I thought he was going to be there in the fourth round for us. Kind of poking poking yeah. fun at the Patriots taking Strange in the first round. That was probably the strangest pick of the first round Hey-o. by the draft board scenario uh, because most people did have him in the 60s, 70s, or, or higher. But the Patriots do this thing from time to time. And uh, I guess I want to ask you guys both, as we have about four, four and a half minutes left here in the hour. My team was certainly not in on the party last night, but how do you guys feel about your draft picks? And we'll start with you, Brooks, and Cole Strange at 29. I mean, I after the couple of the big wide receivers went off the board, that's what I wanted the Patriots to do. Um, I, I really wanted them to go get a skill position. But after the Falcons took London and that kind of started the run on wide receivers there at the toward the you know back into the top of the draft and into the middle of that the first round, I as I cut, as soon as the names started flying off, I'm like, there's no way we're taking a wide receiver. I, there's just no one that I would be comfortable with with the first round pick. So I I immediately accepted the fact uh the fate that i had seen in a lot of mock drafts that they were going offensive line and so you you get down there and then it's it's cole strange and you say well all right well what did he do and then they don't have a highlight package for him because (laughs) why would you have a highlight package for a guy that you think is going to go in the third round maybe um and so I had to go up and I'd look. Apparently, he has not allowed a sack in his playing career since 2018, playing that's, playing that's the offensive line. That's solid. He has also I saw it, uh, mentioned this to you earlier, Ryan. He did play some defensive line at some point, which oh really makes me think. I'm like because right now you look at uh, I saw it last night and saw or looked at it again today. The Patriots have four right now on their roster with Cole Strange, four left guards. That is the most of any offensive line position that they have. Could they change him over to a defensive player? And I just don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think they need that much defensive line help that they would have to. But you could also, and you, you were talking about this earlier, Ryan, off air. You, the offensive line, you can you can move guys around, and so you, the Patriots only have one center on the roster. That's David Andrews, and so could you move someone around and try to make you know, transition someone else on that left guard slot to a to a center or something? I don't mind the pick. It's it's one of those picks that you see the Patriots do, and you're just kind of confused about. Um, more, I say more often than not, they the strange ones kind of work out. It's the it's the bigger school the strange ones. It's the bigger bigger school players <laughs> that you see the Patriots pick or the the with Bill Belichick, the more skill position players you see picked higher 
kind of end up being not flops or close to being, i.e. Nikhil Harry was a first-round wide receiver a few years ago, hasn't really done much of anything for the Patriots. So I don't mind the pick. I just think that they you may have reached a little bit. And then the Atlanta Falcons at 8. They started the run on wide receivers, taking Drake London out of Southern California. Brant, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I I like the pick. I mean, you you need help everywhere, um, and you've you've given Marcus Mariota another guy to throw to because your your other main target was going to be Kyle Pitts, and as good as Kyle Pitts is, and as much as I think he can be a generational talent at tight end, I think that you need a true wide receiver out there. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts are very similar to each other, both very big bodies. Drake London actually signed with USC as a tight end, converted to wide receiver, so he's a big dude, uh, and I. If, if they're going to take a wide receiver, all of them were still on the board. I would have preferred Garrett Wilson, personally, but I, I don't think you could have gone wrong with uh, London Wilson or Jamison Williams out of Alabama. The only problem is that Jamison Williams just tore his ACL, so you're going to have to deal with that issue. But uh, I, I think that I think it's you know it's it's a position of need, especially with the the Calvin Ridley debacle that's going on right now. Um, and the Falcons have had 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 a, a pretty good run at wide receiver in the past couple of years. I think that with, starting with Roddy White out of UAB, um, the, ever since then the Falcons have had a go-to pass catcher. Uh, and I think that Drake London could, has the potential to be the next in line. I think you need help at a lot of places, and you started you started somewhere. And I love the comp they gave him on the broadcast. They compared him to former Charger and Buccaneer Vincent Jackson, a bigger frame guy that makes contested catches. Maybe not going to gain the separation that some elite wide receivers do, but can be really physical and really good in one-on-ones, be really good in the red zone. Now the Falcons have two of those type of guys be really good in in tight situations. Yeah, if you can get the ball into into the red zone, it could be be a a really beneficial scenario. Another thing, you mentioned that he's a a big jump ball guy. He played basketball at USC as well well so or he was at least on the roster i don't know how many games he actually played in but he was listed on the usc basketball roster at some point so he's a big athlete go up and get it that type of that type of guy out of time in hour number one out of fun hour number one we'll talk a little bit more nfl draft in hour number two we'll also have sports calls more likely to happen also give us a call 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to hang out with us on the auburn bank phone line out of time in hour number one more fun ahead One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Hour number two underway on this fun Friday. Sports call Tiger 95.9. And unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know how serious hour number two will be. <laughs> Not as we're off to a evidently. start in which uh, Brooks <laughs> has put his feet up. <laughs> and uh, Brant has company on his half of the table in the form of feet. I, I sure do. I'm looking at some, some tootsies right now. And uh, Brooks sipping some Don't Sprite. Touch now. Uh, all right, we might have some mayhem. I have to turn the mics Move off, honestly. <laughs> Move over to the other side. I uh, I just untied Brooks's shoe. In- no, stop it. <laughs> well, this is In- how the second hour of the show started. This is sports call. It is you a don't fun want Friday. Me to take my shoes off. I don't. I don't. Ryan Lavoy, so. Brant Dottery, Brooks Childress, with you here, filling in for JJ Jackson. He will be on the call of Auburn softball. We'll be getting off the air at five fifteen today. First pitch for Auburn and Georgia just after six. Airtime here at five forty-five. Maybe mentally, I'm already off the air. It's uh, headed in that direction from yep. uh, over this side of the table. And But we're going to try and give you good content here for the next hour and 15 minutes. We'll have a sports call more likely to happen here in just about 10 or 15 minutes. We've been talking some NFL draft, some NIL, and some other things. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. To join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Going to hit on some more NFL draft here before we get to the sports call more likely. And uh, we will have some Auburn topics. Going to have six topics in the sports call more likely to happen. Three of them will be Auburn, three of them will not. And uh, we'll get to those in a little bit. But let's stay on the NFL draft here for a few more moments. Uh, Speaking of Auburn, Roger McCreary not getting selected in the first round last night. Um, I don't know how surprising that was when the draft process started a couple months ago. It felt like he was probably solidly within the first round, probably in the 20s, somewhere around that. But as the the weeks and months unfolded, arm size continued to be an issue for McCreary. And not a significant precipitous drop, but still a drop nevertheless. Falling outside of the first round, expect his name to be heard pretty early tonight. Latest projects, projections have him going 39, Brooks, yeah, to the Bears or to the Bears. thereabout. Uh, any teams catch you, your eye here on, on where he might go here in the first half of the second round? I don't know. I, it, the the way the NFL is going, you can never have enough good corners. And I think Roger McCurry is, is going to be a very good corner. I, he does not measure well. Uh, and the NFL is, is obsessed with measurables and with, with good reason. Um, because more often than not, that turns out it, it turns out to be true. The, the measurables, measurables don't lie. But I think Roger McCurry still has a chance to be a really good corner. And the way football is moving so pass heavy you have so many great wide receivers in the game right now you have quarterbacks that can throw for 350 yards for an average game for them you need corners that are going to be able to lock down the other teams not even their best receiver their their number two or number three guy and even if that's all roger mccurry ever becomes that's still a vital piece of the puzzle uh i think the buccaneers have a really good secondary right now um I think the Falcons are set for the future with A.J. Terrell, and they, they signed uh, uh, Casey Hayward to a two-year deal. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to be looking, and I'm just thinking of teams off the top of my head. I don't know every team's secondary, but I think Roger McCreary can be a valuable piece to whoever picks him up. Uh, I, if you want to talk fit uh, from the trend of Auburn secondary, the, like one of the teams you mentioned, the Bucks, uh, that would be a good fit because all the other secondary pieces from Auburn in the past few years seem to have gone <laughs> to the, be drafted by the Bucks. Um, 
but I don't know. I kind of like the the projection with the Bears. I think they need a little defensive help. Um, maybe not as much as you would have thought they needed after no uh, wide receivers were taken by the uh, by the Packers to help Aaron Rodgers out. Um, but you look in that division. You've got a you've got some good offensive pieces up there in Minnesota. You got some. You've still got Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay. Maybe you you still have to find someone to put around him um, a little bit, or a little bit more depth to put around him uh, at the wide receiver position. But they're still, uh, you know, you still got Aaron Rodgers there, so he can still manufacture things. And then Detroit, they've had two. So I mean, it's only been through one round, but through two round or two different drafts with uh, the Dan Campbell era, they've had two fairly decent drafts so far. The last year's draft was really good, and then last night being able to grab uh, Aiden Hutchinson with that second pick, really, really great move on the defensive side of the ball thing, uh, things. And so I, I think that the Bears would not, like that was the last uh, mock draft we read uh, a little bit ago in, by CBS Sports, I don't think that that would be a horrible position for him to go. I, I think that he, he could be fine at the Bears. Uh, they, they still need you know, defensive help in that division, especially going up against a lot of the other NFC teams. I just don't know, you know, I, it's like you uh, you said, uh, Brant. I don't know. You know, haven't studied all of the the secondary needs. I'll tell you who I would not hate him seeing hate seeing him go to is the the uh, the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks could use some defensive help out there, especially against those dynamic offenses that they're going up against now. Uh, with and they're clearly right now they are the fourth team in that division right at this point uh, after getting rid of after parting ways with Russell Wilson. And so I, I don't think it would have hurt if he he went to that uh, next pick down. Who's I think the Seahawks have back to back picks after the projected uh, spot where he would land at that Bears pick. They've got forty and forty one. And so one of those two picks, I would not be shocked if they used it uh, used it to pick McCreary. You know, an- another part of what happened when you put your feet up, Brooks, yeah. to start this hour is that I now only see part of your face, yeah, and have to lean over. It's so a mystery. like. I don't know if we can have the non-verbals anymore. Can't really see you that well. Here come the feet again. Yeah, I'll put the feet back up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I like your point there. Uh, and I like Brant's point as well that, yeah, I think most teams are going to always feel like they could use more secondary in an ever-evolving league that has become more pass-oriented. Uh, as we mentioned, Chicago in some mocks being uh, given him at 39. But Seattle with back-to-back picks, they do need a quarterback, and uh, we'll get into quarterbacks here in a little bit. But certainly quarterback could be a move uh, at, at one of those two picks. But they lost a lot of defensive players in the last few years. I mean, they had that legion of boom for several years, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, et cetera, et cetera, that are all kind of moved on now. And so they could certainly try stay in the rebuild some of that defense arizona got better last night arizona was able to get hollywood brown from baltimore for a first round pick and so kyler murray seems to be in it with the law in the long haul there uh, we know what los angeles is capable of offensively they uh, what was it alan robinson that they were able to acquire this offseason yeah. so they're still ever growing in their offense uh so you have good offensive football in the NFC West, of course, the 49ers are trying to hold on to their star well, offensive was, player in Debo Samuel. I was going to say, even if they do move off of Debo Samuel, you would have to think they're going to get a pretty good haul for him, and th- so that's going to help. You would think. So, uh, yeah, it, defense in just about every division, every team can be needed. So hopefully Roger hears his name early in the second round. I don't think the Bucks will be a match for him at 33. Uh, just throwing that out there, although they did draft KJ Britt last year. They, of course, have Carlton, Jamel Dean. Uh, but and they did bring in Roger McCree for their top 30 visit. These kids get 25 or these teams 
teams rather get 25 or 30 visits to bring in kids that they might be drafting and the Bucks did bring in Roger McCreary but uh, corner not one of the biggest needs on Tampa they need some some interior defensive linemen they need some in, interior offensive linemen as a matter of fact maybe a tight end so but they've got two second round picks don't they so you, you go yeah. get a need at the second one, the first one, and then maybe Roger McCurry falls to that second pick. We, we will see. I guess you can never rule it out, but uh, <laughs> we will be anxiously waiting to hear Roger McCreary's name. He will be the first Auburn Tiger off the board at some point tonight. 887-341 locally, toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, hope you are well. Hope you're having a fun Friday. It's a fun Friday, guys. Uh, good to hear all your voices again. Uh, who's on the show today besides yourself, uh, Ryan? Uh, it is Ryan Brooks and Brandt. Ryan Brooks and Brandt. Well, gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Holding. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with this NFL uh, picks. Now, uh, we're into the second round because I haven't been keeping up. Yeah, we, we'll start the second round at about 6 o'clock this evening. Okay. So, Ms. McCrary, where do you think he's going to be picked? Uh, well, like we were just talking, uh, maybe the, the top half to middle of the second round, he should be able to go about that. The 39 is where we're seeing right now is some of the mock drafts have the, the the Bears taking him at 39. Would not be shocked if it was a pick or two later, the 40s, when you got Seattle taking a pick. Uh, they've got back-to-back picks there. Would not be shocked if they took a quarterback and then went and reached for a defensive player there. And So it, it's probably going to be the first part of the second round tonight or about the middle of the second round. But we don't expect him to fall out of that middle of the second round area okay well i read where apparently we are only going to have apparently three um auburn players that are going to be drafted uh, is that what you read uh that seems to be about the number that a lot of people uh, people think about right now is is that it's That's only going to be good. about three no not especially when you look at your two biggest rivals where georgia had what five first rounders last night and yep. there's there's projected to have a lot more second rounders tonight and then alabama's already had some first round picks and there's a couple guys that are projected to go early in the second round it's it's not a good thing but hopefully this uh brian harson can turn recruiting around and get some more nfl talent in here well, uh, let's have some fun with this stuff, okay? Because um, not to worry about these, what, first, second round picks. They really don't end up being what we think they're going to be. Now, that's not my opinion, guys. I just came across an article, uh, really, for reading from the New York Times, but it's based on a gentleman who's a Nobel Prize winner in statistics and economics. His name is Richard Thaler. T-H-A-L-E-R. You may want to look him up. Here's what he says. He says that the uh, what the NFL owners and coaches are doing is pretty much what uh, you know h- hiring uh, employers do when they're hiring someone. But the major difference, he says, is that the NFL teams, owners, and coaches have a lot more information than most employers do. Now, he says this. With all that information that the owners have available to them and the managers and the coaches, he says that teams can tend to do a miserable, these are his words, a miserable job of predicting who the best players are going to be. He says that their track record is really pretty dismal. Now, here's what he comes from, guys. And when I saw it, I said, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. So he has a chart here. He talks about the Jets. He says uh, he has a chart here that shows the quarterbacks they were picked in the draft's first round four years ago, alongside their career touchdown totals. Baker Mayfield, he was a first-round draft pick, right? That's correct, number one he overall. Had 90, 
He had 97 career touchdowns so far, okay, since 2018. Sam Darnold, number three pick, he had 64 career touchdowns. Josh Allen, a number seven pick, guess how many career touchdowns he had, guys? Probably in the 100 so far. Very good, Ron. You cheated. 134. Okay. Okay. Josh Rosen. No, he was a none. Tenth pick or five or four or something. Low. Yeah, you're getting you're getting warm. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve now. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to think about this one. Lamar Jackson was a number thirty-two pick. How many career touchdowns would you guess he's had? Uh, he's got a lot of running touchdowns to go this path. Probably around Josh Allen's total. I, I would I would say mid 100, 140 or so. Pretty close. A one hundred five. Okay. Now, he brings us up because he says there's a, there's a little relationship, he says, between performance and draft order. He goes on to say, were the 2018 draft held again today, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills would almost certainly go first. Besides Allen and Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, he says, the other three might not even be playing uh, next, uh, next season. And you know who the Jets went with, right? Right, Darnold. Or, or are you talking about for this draft? No, for, for, the, uh, for the last, uh, in 2018. Yeah, Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, didn't do too well, was he? Nope. Nope. So uh, he goes on to say, it's a common story. He says, Tom Brady, the most successful player in NFL history, was what? I didn't even know this. The 199th pick in 2000. Yeah. Now let that let that sink in, guys. I did not know that he was a hundred ninety ninth pick. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's all it's always the funny thing when you get into that the later stages around that the, his draft uh, combine photo always seems to surface and the, his draft card also surfaces and uh, Tom Brady always has something to say about it on uh, on Twitter and stuff about how he was that far down and that's that's one of the things that really drove him in his career to prove everybody wrong because even the Patriots passed on him several times before he was drafted. Well, this guy goes on to say that. Uh, most top quarterbacks he says today, including Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Her- Herbert, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, were drafted after quarterbacks who haven't done as well. And he says that these teams, unfortunately, tend to defy conventional wisdom to make a surprise first-round pick, most of them. It rarely works out, he says. And this is some analysis done by a guy named Nate Cohn from the New York Times, who also uh, tried to see what was going on here. Were these owners uh, really that smart as they assumed to be? But they're really not. He says, predicting performance is really unavoidably very hard, even with all the information that's given to them. He says, there's no crime in being wrong. This comes from a University of Pennsylvania economist and a statistician. He says, the crime is thinking you can predict it. The real mistake, he says, is that all these owners and managers and coaches, all they, the mistakes they make is based on an overabundance of arrogant belief that they can predict the best players. They believe that they can forecast the future, and they really can't. He talks about the New York Jets trading away four picks for the right to move up only three spots in the draft from third to six. And with that third pick... They thought they'd draft a quarterback that was so great that he'd be gone. And who was that, of course? Sam Darnold. 
So, guys, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think, uh, and Brent, you can add to this as well. I mean, I right, think right, that right. it shows that there are so many variables because you're right. There is so much information. There's all the tape from college. There are all the measurables at pro days and at NFL combines about what you weigh and how big your hands are and how much you bench and how fast you run and all this stuff. But that there's still so many more variables because the situations these players come into, some guys don't need to play right away. But they do, and it ruins their confidence, and they, they, they break, in other words. Some guys are well-served to sit a couple years and, and become great players that way. Some guys come into situations on really bad teams with no talent around them. They're expected to be one of the best players from day one. And, and there's all these different things that go into it. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised. Obviously, you can always find good players any round and we've known the Tom Brady story for a long time he is obviously still an exception to the rule being the credentials that he has but there's always going to be the opportunity with the right work ethic right skill set or right coaching to find people all throughout the draft that can be more successful than guys picked before them and that's also what's so cool and what's so fun to follow the draft is you have guys that people sometimes have never heard of I guarantee you no one knows uh, the Patriots draft pick from last night out of Chattanooga Cole Strange no one knew about him other than NFL people, NFL draft guys. But one day he might be a Pro Bowl guard, uh, and, and he might be a big deal. And so uh, I think that what makes it so it's so fascinating because it is not predictable. And it, it's it's one thing just to predict who people will take, but to make sure those guys are actually going to be worthy of that first round pick. That's something that's not decided till years at a time. Absolutely. Anytime you draft a guy, uh, whatever position you're drafting him at, you're taking a gamble. You're gambling that that guy is going to be a successful football player. Uh, usually when you're taking a, a quarterback in the first 10 or so, or, or the top five, you're gambling that that guy is going to be the savior of your franchise. I mean, that's what everyone thinks of Trevor Lawrence at the Jaguars and we still don't know how good he's going to turn out to be I still think that he was the best player available and I think he's going to have a good career but we just don't know yet and like you said Steve it's an inexact science there is no guarantee and like you said Josh Allen has turned better than a lot of people expected him to but he is also kind of an exception to the rule because his accuracy was not great in college it got better once he got to the NFL Uh, and so it's like Ryan said, there are so many variables and the type of situation that you go into and how well do you fit that that locker room culture or how well does the the city embrace you? How, how do you fit into the offense? How does the coaching staff see you? There are so many different variables that can affect uh, what what the outcome of this gamble is. Well, let me add just one more piece of information, and then I'll leave that there. Uh, this statistician, a Nobel Prize winner, points out this interesting uh, uh, pattern. I wasn't aware of this. He points out that the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s and currently the New England Patriots built their Super Bowl winners by exchanging high picks for a large number of lower picks. And then he goes on to say in recent seasons, the L.A. Rams have exchanged early picks. Okay, for more established players. And he points out that the Rams won, of course, last season's Super Bowl. The Jets now have failed to make the playoffs for the 11th straight season, even though they keep trying to trade up. So basically he's just saying, you know, these owners who they don't have any humility, the ones that keep thinking that they're savvy and smarter than other people, they really aren't. So I just thought I'd bring that uh, piece of information to you that sometimes these higher, you know, round picks 
or not the guarantees that sure. these people make them out to be, or not all the millions of dollars that they you know, end up spending on them too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Speaking, I mean, the <laughs> the New York Jets have been the butt of a bunch of jokes over the past couple of years for the way they've they have drafted and handled their picks and things like that. All right, guys, I want to get your take on a five star pick for basketball. Is it going to be Mr. Julian Phillips or Mr. Johnny Broom? Yeah, Janai Broom. Uh, but yeah, Janai it's... Janai Broom, thanks for yeah. correcting me. Yeah, no Janai. problem. Janai, yeah. Spelled, it's spelled a J-O-H-N-I, Janai Broom. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll actually be talking about that a little bit later in the show, but it is very possible that Auburn gets both. It's very possible that Auburn gets one, and it's very possible that Auburn gets neither. Uh, and no, we should, no, say they so. We, we should know uh, by this time next week. Well, I've been seeing crystal balls going for Julian Phillips. Uh, by Nathan King and Keith Niebuhr uh, for the past several days. Uh, and then I've been reading that uh, they're also saying that uh, we only have two scholarships left. Right. And do we really want, does he really want to go for both these five-star players? Do we need them both? Yes. Yeah, you, <laughs> Short you, answer, you, yes. You want yes. as many yes. great players as you can get, so absolutely you want them. Does that mean we'll lose some to the portal that are currently playing for us? It's possible. It's not a guarantee, but it is definitely possible. But you think it's worth it? Yes. Yeah. For for those two guys, absolutely. Uh, Janai Broom is is almost as close to a one to one for one with Walker Kessler as you're going to get. Uh, and you need as much help on the wing as you can get. And that's where Julian Phillips comes in. He's a he can put the ball on the ground and drive to the hoop. He can he can shoot from the wing. He's a great player as well. So you want great players like that for sure. So Janai Broom is uh, he, he's, he's a pretty good shot blocker, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think was, he was the second to Kessler? Yeah, I think third, th- yeah, third, third in the country. Third yeah. in the country third. behind Kessler and uh, the Sharp guy from Western Kentucky. Right. Yep. Uh, but the the best in the group of five for sure. And uh, if if it wasn't for the great season that Walker Kessler had, we would have talked a lot more about this guy during last year. Three point shooting between the two. Phillips is really good. Broom. That's not really his game. Okay. All right. Moving quickly, guys. We got some big uh, baseball and softball series coming up. Do you think we have a reasonable, legitimate chance of winning at least one game against Tennessee? Yeah, again, uh, this is going to be discussed in the sports call more likely to happen here that we're going to play in a few minutes. But I'll I'll leave it at um, it is going to be very, very big if Auburn can win a game. And um, given that Tennessee is 17-1, They've got five sweeps in the SEC, and just and Alabama beat them. Right, Alabama's the only team to get one off of them. So I definitely think it's possible, but we'll go into more detail about that. And as far as the Auburn softball series again uh, against Georgia, this is really big for hosting. Uh, Georgia's the number sixteen team in the country. Auburn's number nineteen, and of course, sixteen teams get to host a regional. So uh, if Auburn can win this series, uh, it's going to come right down on the wire, and then then they'll have Tennessee in softball next weekend. So uh, th- these are very big series for Auburn, no doubt. Uh, they're in good positions. They're, they're you know they're obviously tournament teams. They're top twenty five teams. But if they want to host regionals, this is big weekend to prove why they should host regionals. Last thing for us, Steve, then we got to take our first break of the hour. Uh, who's our starting pitcher for the, the baseball team tonight? Uh, it's going to be Hayden Mullins going tonight. All right. Well, I hope he's on it. Um, guys, any of you guys going to the softball game? Uh, I am headed. I am headed there tomorrow. Uh, my family's coming into town, and we're going to go watch that game together. Brant is going on Saturday, as he just said, and then I'll be on the call with JJ on Saturday for the radio broadcast. Okay, so you guys will be doing the broadcast. 
Yep, JJ JJ has it all weekend, and then I'll be there with JJ on Saturday. All right. Now, I'll be watching on my PC, so will I be hearing you guys? No, you'll be hearing uh, Britt Bowen. He'll be doing the uh, the Plus broadcast for SEC Network. Oh, okay, because sometimes I'll hear you know JJ uh, doing the broadcast with on the uh, uh, on the internet yeah it, it varies depending on who's playing and what kind of uh broadcasters they have and that sort of thing sometimes they t- just take the the radio feed uh and and sync it up with tv but uh, they will have brett doing tv in particular okay so at least we will be tortured with tennessee uh radio broadcasters Oh, you're talking about for baseball? Uh, yeah, for baseball. That's I was talking about softball. Um, the, uh, I, I know, yeah, yeah. I need the, that. The first two games I think are on SEC Network, so you're going to get uh, Lenny, a, yeah. you're going to get actual uh, you know the the guys. I think Dave Neal is probably there. I think the SEC Network's number one baseball guy, so you're going to get Dave Neal for the first two games, and then probably a plus, uh, a TV broadcaster for the third game too. Okay, all right. Thanks for the education, guys. Hey, it's always good talking to you guys. I hope you have a safe and relaxing uh, afternoon and enjoy your weekend and hopefully uh, we might actually surprise some people in baseball and softball we'll find out yes sir alright guys War Eagle always talk to you uh, next week appreciate the phone call Steve War Eagle to you as well hope you have a great weekend gonna go ahead and take our first break of our number two again a shortened show getting off at 515 sports calls more likely to happen coming up after this timeout. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. See what happens when I don't start speaking immediately after the return starts playing is becomes dance mob here in the studio. This is a banger. Both Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress joining me on the program what? today. Dancing. What? Uh, what? There's okay. There's I only. Told you. Anyway, I'm Ryan Lavoy, and I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson today. He will be doing Auburn softball right here on Tiger 95.9. 5.45 airtime for that 6 o'clock first pitch between Auburn and Georgia, a big SEC series, which we're about to talk about in just a moment, actually. Uh, but uh, we will be getting off here at 5.15. This is the last segment of our number two, so we're going to have to fly through some of these, but we've been teasing this. It's a game we have not played in a very long time. It's a very simple game. And I'll let Zeus explain it to you. Do you have all these wild questions swirling around in your head? Well, we've got the answers to them. Sports calls more likely to happen. Yes, yeah, so sports calls more likely to happen. We'll present a scenario, kind of a this or that type of thing. And uh, we will tell you which is more likely to happen. The first one, just going to spend just a moment on because Steve kind of asked about it to Brant. More likely 
that Janai Broom commits to Auburn or Florida. The transfer is down to those two schools. As far as I could tell, the Tampa native did not even have a visit to Florida, but he did visit Auburn. So are we pretty committed to Broom coming to Auburn? That's an interesting question because is he committed to coming to Auburn? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Bruce, uh, Auburn has shown their hand. They want both Janai Broom and and Julian Phillips. Uh, they and they want them both really bad, especially since uh, Huntley Hatfield has committed to Louisville. Auburn has been very much in on those two guys playing together. Uh, they've got the entire the entire team kind of recruiting those guys as well as the coaching staff and and all of that. It's interesting to me because I feel like Auburn just makes a lot more sense for Janai Broom. Uh, mostly because Colin Castleton is returning for his 17th year as a Florida Gator. So I don't know I, I, I don't know what Janai Broom expects to go down there because having those two on the floor at the same time is you're you're not gonna stretch the floor a whole lot because neither of those guys is really an outside player. Um, Castleton can do it, but he's a little bit like Walker Kessler. Yes, he has the ability, but that's not really his game. Uh, Janai Broom is going to play down low almost exclusively. So I, I don't see those two being on the court at the same time, and that's why I think Auburn makes more sense, and I think that's why Auburn gets him. And I, I think he is set to announce this weekend, and everybody I, I have read says, it, look, it makes more sense for him to come to Auburn. I think it makes more sense for him to come to Auburn, but Florida is very in the mix for him. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree. I, I think that it's more likely that he chooses Auburn than it is that he chooses Florida. But we've seen, you know, you especially during the Bruce Pearl era, there's been a lot of high-profile guys that you, that everyone's like, oh, this is it. This He's coming to Auburn. He's coming to Auburn. He's more likely to come to Auburn. And they don't. And so not uh, Bruce Pearl gets recruits here. But it's it, you you know everybody you get this expectation that because Bruce Pearl has gotten a lot of good recruits here he gets every single good recruit here that's not the case I, I still do think it's more likely that he that he comes here to Auburn than goes to Florida but you can never really tell for sure until it actually comes out so we've got it as Janai Broom more likely to commit to Auburn than Florida I believe his commitment date is this weekend yes. I want to say so yes. we will know by our next radio show all right number two. Going back to something we've been talking a lot about today, more likely that the best quarterback in the draft was already taken or will be taken today? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I feel like just because of sheer numbers, you have to say that it's more likely he's taken today. And I, I think Kenny Pickett was the best quarterback available. Like looking at all of them, I would say if I was a GM, I'd probably want Kenny Pickett over the field. But it just the – the sheer number you had one quarterback taken in the first round of the 2022 nfl draft that just kind of tells you how weak of a quarterback class this was because everybody knows the quarterback's the most position important position on the field so for there to be one taken is is just bizarre and i I have to wonder when the last time that happened was but yeah i'm going to say it's more likely that it's taken to that that quarterback is taken today purely because of the number of players available I, I think yeah, this is essentially just functioning as a picket versus anybody else. Yeah. Do you think Pickett's the best yeah. in the draft or not? I think the most athletic quarterback left on the board is Malik Willis right now. You look yeah. at everybody, I think he's the most athletic one. Do I think he's the best? 
I th- mm, I think it de- I think it's going to depend on where they go because I I do think Kenny Pickett can yeah, have some success at yeah. Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's done a really good job of surrounding their quarterbacks with good offensive weapons. I mean, you, you know, Ben Roethlisberger at the end was still winning football games and he wasn't moving like he used to. He he was he's never been this big I'm going to run around all the time guy. Um but from pure talent standpoint, I would have to say there's the 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 it's more likely that the quarterback, the better quarterback, position-wise, is still left on the draft board. I don't think it's Kenny Pickett. I think it's another quarterback, i.e. Malik Willis. I think what you said about Fitz very important. Kenny Pickett's a guy that played at Pittsburgh, obviously. Pittsburgh, for those that don't know, they play at Heinz Field. Uh, they, they literally play at the Steelers. Yeah, that, uh, that's really cool. Stadium, that and so he's not going anywhere. <laughs> we, we've heard stories about Tomlin and company. I mean, they've seen Pickett working at college a lot, and so and I could note as well that going down to the Senior Bowl. Mike Tomlin was certainly staring at Kenny Pickett a lot and scouting him very closely. So Pittsburgh, it always felt like a great match to take uh, Kenny Pickett there. I lean towards it's more likely, though, that the best quarterback is still available. Uh, And this is a guy – this is probably the first hot take we've had in the show in a little while. Um, You know who I like the most in this draft class, quarterback-wise? Who's that? Tell me. It's Matt Corral, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, Brent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think Corral's got the most arm talent in the draft, and uh, he's got a huge arm. And the the worry with him, as Brent alluded to earlier, is the style of offense just because it is so RPO-based. And the RPO is, is... eking into the NFL, but it's not anyone's main offense. Just in the same way, you know, finally the read option is starting to become at least Baltimore's offense is is very heavy in that. The RPO, though, is still, it's just a concept that's run a couple times a game. It's it's not like anyone has an RPO offense. Um, So that does, would be worrying is that can corral kind of work through progressions because when an rpo it's like it's this or that it's it's what we're doing it's like a this or that it's a more likely it's just like reading a defense and you're either going to do this or this and if it's not there there's usually not other things to go through but with nfl offenses you're going to be asked to go through wide receiver one wide receiver two tight end one then running back one and, and all these things and so that would be the realistic worry i would have for crowd but i think what you're getting with matt is a very heady player, yeah. a player that clearly improves while he was at Ole Miss. Clearly has that work ethic. Not that the other guys don't. It's not a, that you know that's not an all or nothing scenario. Everybody here obviously has a work ethic, but someone that I saw a clear progression with. That at the end of the day, yeah, I think I know Malik Willis has a big arm, but I'm saying arm talent from the standpoint of yes, Corral has a strong arm similar Willis, but I think he can place it a whole lot better. I think he's got that gene in him where he's going to have great accuracy. And so I'm going to say that's more likely the best quarterback is taken today because in particular, I'm saying Matt Corral. All right, one more before we have the end of hour, and then we'll continue this to end the show in the uh, in the first segment, or the only segment of hour number three. But one more for this hour. It does revolve around Auburn, and it's another thing that Steve brought up. More likely, Auburn baseball will be swept by number one Tennessee or any other result. Oh, And, and this one's tough. Let me provide you guys some numbers, actually, because I was uh, – I was looking at this in the uh, pre-show 
pre-show pre-game <laughs> before the show pre-show uh, our, um, our preparation <laughs> so in preparation for this uh and i said brooks i've got some numbers but i'm not going to reveal them right now tennessee as you can surmise is the best offensive team in the conference 386 runs on the season second best is at 321 that would be lsu have mercy they hit they hit the best for average they've got a 308 average and they've got by far the most homers they've hit 94 next best is mississippi state at 75 However, I would say to you, as Butch Thompson did in Auburn Sports Today, the pitching is even more impressive. The team ERA is two. (laughs) Not two-something. It is two. The next best is Vanderbilt at 2.97. So essentially a full run better for Tennessee. And again, we've talked about 17-1 in the SEC. They've only lost, I think, three times all season long. Unfortunately, I want with my heart to say it's more likely that Auburn will get a game. But again, five sweeps. So just playing off the numbers, even though Auburn appears to be a top four or five SEC team with the way they're playing, I think it's still being at Tennessee. If it was in Plainsman Park, I would say it's more likely Auburn gets a game. I think it's more likely Tennessee sweeps. Uh, I am going to bet with my heart here and say that Auburn gets gets the clutch hits. They get a clutch performance. I'm going to say that in one game, everything comes together the way it needs to, and Auburn's able to take one out of three. I don't have any illusion that they will win this series. I think Tennessee is far and away the best team in SEC baseball right now, and I, I think that there may be a game that just goes against Auburn in every way possible. Like we've saw, we've seen Auburn lose like nineteen to three in a game where they took one out of three, uh, and I think you could see another thing like that this weekend. There's probably going to be one ugly game, one close loss, and one game where Auburn pulls it out. I think if there's a game that Auburn can pull out, I think it's the Sunday game when Joseph Gonzalez goes on the mound because yep. he's been on fire. I just don't know. If at that point Tennessee has already won the first two, if Auburn is up for the game and is not beaten down by this Tennessee team, that's what scares me a little bit is Tennessee is so good right now that if they can go and get two dominating wins right off the bat, they come into that third game with so much confidence. If Alabama got a uh, got a win against this Tennessee team, I think this Auburn team can get this Tennessee can get a win over this Tennessee team. But I think right now it is more likely that Tennessee sweeps Auburn this weekend. Well, and to your point, Brooks, good call there because what did Alabama do? They won the very first game of that series, and against a team like Tennessee. If you, you could get slammed a couple times, which would be very demoralizing, or you could blow a game or be in a really close game that you were like, man, that was the opportunity. That was the chance. And so absolutely, I, I think you're right. It's probably got to come in one of the first two or else the morale will start to dip a little bit. Going to take our last break of hour number two. It's come to a close. On the other side, just one more segment of the Friday edition of Sports Call. We'll finish up Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. That's coming up next. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. An abbreviated third and final hour here on the Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. Also on the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, I'm Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson today, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress have joined me on this Friday show. Again, one segment left, Auburn softball coming up 5.45 airtime as they take on Georgia in a big three-game series. And before the break, we were starting our sports call, More Likely to Happen. Again, a reminder, if uh, you're wondering what this segment is all about. Do you have all these wild questions swirling around in your head? Always. Well, we've got the answers to them. Sports calls, more likely to happen. See, Brent, you're supposed to have the answers to these oh. swirling in oh. your head. Okay, well, the good news is I have I have answers to a couple of sports questions. It's the, the other, like, more existential things that I'm just like, why am I here? We're not going to anyway. get into that in the final ten minutes of the <laughs> show. Was, <laughs> but there, why okay. are you here, Brent? Why do you think you're That was here? not well received. <laughs> uh, why am I here? That's why do you question. think you're here? You know, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. And there's no problem with it. Ask me a question, Ryan. I'm about to. Please. Um, we got three more sports called more likely to happen. And so we'll have a nightly TV guy. Then we'll say goodbye for the week. But uh, on the uh, other side of that break, if you missed it, go back and find our answers on the sports called podcast to the more likely uh, Johnny or Janai Broom committing to Auburn or Florida. More likely that the best quarterback in the draft was already selected, meaning Kenny Pickett, or will be selected tonight. And more likely Auburn baseball will be swept by number one Tennessee, or more likely that they will at least win a game. Next up, another Auburn item, and it involves Auburn baseball again, but it also involves Auburn softball. More likely Auburn baseball or Auburn softball advances to a super regional. Of course, both teams rank number 19 in the country, so both teams are just nipping on the heels of being able to host a regional, which would be big because that means they would be, in fact, favored to go to a Super Regional at that point. Neither one will get to host a Super Regional, it would not appear, unless there's upsets because they won't finish in the top eight. But, uh, yeah, so uh, this question, I guess I can start off uh, being with softball team a lot this year getting to see them i lean towards the softball team now again these two team these two programs are very similar in their tra- trajectories both had disappointing seasons last year although auburn softball still made the ncaa tournament had had one of their weaker seasons in quite some time but they've had a resurgence this year with a lot of young bats and you can argue that those young bats playing in the ncaa tournament might be a little less reliable uh, than some of Auburn baseball's experience because although Auburn baseball has newcomers, guys like Sonny DeShera have been around the block a year or two. But I'm going to lean towards the softball team because I think that these freshmen are hitting their strides. They're doing the exact opposite of what you think 
younger players will do. Bree Ellis in recent weeks has been on a home run tear. She's tied the freshman record at Auburn at 18, formerly held by by all-time great for Auburn, Casey Cooper. Uh, and so Bree Ellis has been red hot. She had a good day against Alabama State in the midweek. Uh, Nelia Peralta at shortstop has had a great season hitting the softball. She's been one of the best run producers that Auburn has had all season long you've gotten contributions up and down the lineup and and so i think the key is when you look at how regionals operate in baseball you don't have many guys that can throw twice in a regional not certainly not a starter yep yeah you could have some relievers uh come in a couple times but you're not gonna have a starter Auburn softball's weakness maybe their biggest weaknesses in their team is that they don't have a lot of depth pitching well you can get by, I feel like, with two. And I feel like Auburn has two pitchers for a regional. Of course, they're going to throw Matty Pinta a lot of innings in a regional. Uh, but also right now, I say they have two. If Shelby Lowe can get healthy, and she is getting healthier. She pitched two innings against Mississippi State, three against Alabama State. Remember, Shelby Lowe was really good in the circle as a freshman last year for Auburn. It's just that she's been a little more banged up this year. If she can get healthy, that's another game changer. So that's the long-winded answer, the breakdown. But I'm going to lean towards Auburn softball is more likely to make a Super Regional. What say you, Brant? Uh, I'm going to go with Auburn softball, too, for the same reason you did. I think having – well, look, you can win a college World Series in softball with one dominant pitcher. I I've, I, I think Florida did it a couple of years ago. I've seen Oklahoma do it once or twice. Uh, you don't have to have – like you said, a starting pitcher in baseball is going to pitch one time in one week. And I, I, every five games, you're going, to th- you're going to see one guy. But in softball, you can go out there and you throw the same pitcher every time. Auburn has two really, really good pitchers in Shelby Lowe and Maddie Pinta. Neither of them is going to just shut out every side for you know forty nine innings or whatever. But you're going you're going to see these two get ridden like horses uh, through this through the world through the the postseason. And I think that they're up to it. I really do. I, and I I'm with you. I think college. I think Auburn baseball's weakness is pitching depth. And when you get into the postseason, you need pitchers that can dominate. I think these two, now that they're a little bit older, you mentioned it last year, they, younger players tend to hit a bit of a wall. When, when the lights are brightest, can they step up? These two have been in that position now. And now that they know what that's like, I think that they're going to step up to the challenge. I think that uh, Auburn softball is more likely. If we knew for sure that both of these teams were hosting, I would say I, I would – maybe put more egg or some eggs into the um baseball basket because if you're hosting that means you're the best team in that regional and you've got a better chance of winning three you know just go, having to go three games your first round second round and the championship of that regional game because we don't know and because and it's the same i'll make the same point ryan and Brent, y'all just made because of the pitching that goes into baseball if you just lose one of those games in the regional your your pitching is already messed up because you've got three guys that go on the weekend. You've got a, you know a couple midweek guys, but those are not your primary guys that you are relying on. So if you just drop one of those regional games, that's a great point. You are just your pitching is messed up for the rest of the weekend because you can still throw those other three, but you've got to win then four games at that point, and you're having to throw a midweek guy that you're not in total confidence for in one of those games, and it could be even be the championship game because you're trying to get to that championship game, and that's not a position you want to be in. So with softball. 
you know, like you both just said, you can throw one girl the entire weekend and have success. And so I think not because of the, I think I'm more confident in Auburn softball because of the, how they've been hitting this year that they can get through and that whoever they throw Maddie Pinta or Shelby Lowe, they can, the bats are going to back them up no matter what in a regional. So we, uh, we all lean towards, more likely that Auburn softball will advance to a Super Regional instead of Auburn baseball. But again, both teams have a shot at it, especially if they can host a regional. All right, next up, we'll start with Brooks this time. More likely, Kyle Wright keeps pitching like the Braves' best pitcher or Charlie Morton keeps pitching like the Braves' worst starting pitcher. What's more likely to happen? Oh, man. I think more likely Kyle Wright continues to pitch well because i think at this point in his career i think he may have started to figure out a little bit it may just be you know early season he may fall off here but i don't think charlie morton's going to continue pitching this bad he's he's a veteran pitcher he's going to figure it out at some point and it's the same point that i've been making i made it earlier on the show about talking about the braves all year or so far you're getting to that point now where you're getting into where they would be at the opening day period this this weekend this week is where they would get to the opening day period so now you're going to get charlie morton after a uh, at starting the, where he would be at starting the season, so I think it would be more likely that Kyle Wright has figured it out than Charlie Morton continues to be dismal pitching. Yeah, I, I think Brooks hit the nail on the head. I think something else that you have to consider is that Charlie Morton's coming off a broken leg. He still may not have 100% confidence in that leg, even though it was totally a, a fluke thing. Uh, he may just not be used to pitching yet, and he didn't go through spring training the same way. He didn't go through his preseason routine because uh, he was still rehabbing from uh, from that, that hard-hit grounder back at him in the World Series. Uh, I... I think Charlie Morton figures it out. I don't think Kyle Wright keeps up this pace. Um, so I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. But I think that Charlie Morton is going to get it figured out. So it's more likely that Kyle Wright keeps it up. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. I was trying to stew for a Braves question. Brooks can yep. attest. I, I took like 15, 20 minutes trying to – like, <laughs> what's a good Braves one? Because uh, it is interesting. Kyle Wright has a one ERA right now, which we know won't stay that low. It never does. But, but what if it did? But, but uh, And Charlie Morton has a seven ERA right now, which, again, shouldn't stay that high, but not Charlie Morton-esque. I'm a little worried about Charlie Morton. I am. Uh, you look at the Braves rotation. You got Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Max Freed, Kyle Wright – uh, and I guess you kind of uh, – who am I missing here in the uh, fifth spot? I guess Anderson? I think I said Ian, Ian Anderson, Max Free, Elder. Charlie Morton, Bryce Elder. That's I, it. I think it's – I think Charlie Morton can be saved in that I don't know if Bryce Elder can – can put yeah. together a full season. He really wasn't supposed to be one of the main stars. Really, Hoskar Enoa should have been the last starter, but he got off to a terrible start. They already sent him down. And so I think – I don't necessarily think Kyle Wright will have the best season because it absolutely could still be Max Freed. I think it will be Wright or Freed. But I do think Morton will work his way back at least to pass Elder, uh, maybe get to Ian Anderson as well. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a look at the Braves pitching staff. All right, real quickly, lightning round. Uh, uh, more likely there will be a sweep in the second round of the NBA playoffs or a series go to seven games. In the first round, unless Minnesota beats Memphis tonight, there will have not been a seven-game series, but there was a sweep when Boston beat Brooklyn. We're looking at Boston versus Milwaukee, Miami versus Philadelphia in the East, and then in the West, let's assume Memphis wins. Golden State would then play Memphis, and you have the one-seeded Suns playing the four-seeded Mavericks. So more likely a sweep or a seven-gamer? 
I, I think it's much more likely that a seven-game series happens. I think that all four. Uh, I think that all of those series that you just mentioned could be could go to game sevens if they really, could, especially those two Eastern matchups. Those are games I'm very excited for. I think it's more likely that there is a game seven and a game than a sweep. I think that you get to this point in the playoffs, all the teams are really you know at top playing the top of their game and everything. I think that's more likely you hit a game seven. I'm going to go contrarian. I'm going to say sweep. Really? Because I think Phoenix might sweep Dallas. Mm. I, I I don't – now, if Booker gets hurt, that's going to look like a really bad pick because then Phoenix will lose some games. But Dallas is so offensively reliant on everything Luka does and creates, I feel like, that uh, Phoenix is so sound. I don't know. It, it could be a longer series than I'm anticipating. I think the most, the two most seven game potentials are Golden State, Memphis, and then uh, Philadelphia, Miami. Boston looks so good. I don't know about Milwaukee without Milton. I know they ran through Chicago the last couple games after Milton got hurt, but a little worried about them without Chris Milton. All right, uh, just a minute or so left in the show today, so let's get to this part that we do each and every day. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Brooks, what we got? Uh, no movies for you this evening. There's a lot of sports on, so you should be satisfied with the sports intake this evening. 6 o'clock on ABC, also on the ESPN channels around your television. The NFL draft continues the second round. See where Roger McCurry can potentially go. Middle middle second, early second. Hopefully we'll hear his name tonight. Maybe you get into that third round. You may hear Smoke Monday or Zacoby McClain's uh, name called. Probably more likely middle rounds for both of those guys, but uh, nevertheless, tune into the NFL Draft tonight. 6 o'clock on FS1, NHRA Drag Racing. Some uh, drag racing from, I believe it's in Gainesville, Florida this week. So that one for the Harson family. Yeah, that, that is the Brian Harson pick of the evening. Uh, also, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. You can also listen to that game right here on Tiger 95.9. Number 16, Georgia takes on number 19, Auburn, and some softball action. 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. Also, you can listen on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Number 19, Auburn, and number 1, Tennessee Baseball. Uh, as I said, that's 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. And then the Braves back in action tonight at 7.05 on Bally Sports Southeast. Ian Anderson takes the bump against Garrett Richards as they open up a three-game series in the Lone Star State against the Texas Rangers. That game is on, as I said, Bally Sports Southeast. Also, listen to the game on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. And that's a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at Coca-Cola. Thank you very much, Brooks. Absolutely. I just saw this thing. I can't really elaborate on it, but can you guys believe Texas has still not had an offensive player drafted in the first round of the NFL draft since Vince Young in 2006? Wow. Boy. Yikes. Rough they're rough. back. Or no, they're not. Yikes. <laughs> that Quinn Ewers, the savior. We, we shall see about that. Thank you very much for everyone that tuned in and called in today. Brooks, thank you for being here. Yep. Brant as well. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. And uh, that will do it for the show today. JJ will be back next week. And you also listen to him with Auburn softball coming up in a moment. For Brant Dottry and Brooks Childress, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.